G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. But more and more leaders are feeling the need to reinforce some things that Australians have long taken for granted. Christianity is one of the foundation stones of Western civilization and liberal democracies with strengths and benefits that far outweigh its sins. Now, one of Australia's leading conservative commentators has been looking at how, in an increasingly radical secular society dominated by cancel culture, Judeo-Christianity is being attacked and condemned. Well, Dr. Kevin Donnelly has just released his new book. It's called Christianity is Good for Us, Why Faith Matters. He's arguing that our response to the relentless attacks on Christian faith is not one of cowering and hiding in a corner, but calls for a reiteration of why, now more than ever, faith matters and should be fought for. Dr. Kevin Donnelly is Senior Research Fellow in the Faculty of Education and the Arts at the PM Glynn Institute of the Australian Catholic University, He also established the Education Standards Institute back in 2008 and was co-head of a review into the National School Curriculum commissioned by former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. And Kevin Donnelly joining us once again today. Kevin, a special welcome back to 2020. Always a pleasure, Neil. Thank you very much. Kevin, you're arguing it's time to celebrate the role of Christianity in our culture. I wonder whether... The attacks that we are seeing against Christianity, whether a celebration of Christianity is a good response? It's a much needed response, Neil. Uh, We need to uh, understand as Christians, if we vacate the field, if we don't enter into what John Howard called the battle of ideas, then we've already lost the battle. So I'd argue, as do others, that we need to engage in debate, in dialogue, respectfully, of course, but we need to enter the public square and acknowledge and defend what is most valuable about Judeo-Christianity while acknowledging the sins of the past. We have to understand that much of our Western culture, our Western civilization, is underpinned by the New Testament in particular, And if we lose that, as T.S. Eliot says, the English poet, if we lose our religion, then we've lost our culture. If we talk about a battle of ideas, as you say, uh, former Prime Minister John Howard uh, saying there is a battle of ideas that's on. Uh, It's not a battle, though, that at this point in our time uh, is about bloodshed. It is a battle of ideas. It means that you can engage in this perhaps without the threat of physical harm at this time, although there might be some issues around uh, being dragged before the courts, but uh, this is a especially important time to be engaging in this battle of ideas. It is, Neil, and uh, around Australia, whether it's uh, abortion or euthanasia, 
whether it's uh, the argument that uh, funding to non-government schools, Christian schools, Jewish, Islamic, religious schools should be cut. They should not be funded. Whether it's what happened to Israel Folau and Margaret Court, who uh, were both publicly vilified and attacked for really just restating their view about uh, what the Bible tells us about uh, marriage, the sanctity of marriage, and also about uh, the fact that God created man and woman. So there are a number of issues here, and one which really hasn't been resolved yet, hopefully it will be this year, is the Freedom of Religion Bill, which is before the Commonwealth Government that Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, promised would be dealt with, but is still sitting there. Because uh, even though some people argue we don't need the legislation, there is a need to, uh, I would argue, legislate to defend and protect religious freedom. There'll be a lot at stake when that bill is finally before our parliaments and whichever way that goes. I wonder if we might just pause for a moment and reflect on some of the foundations. Uh, there was a wonderful uh, compliment to you from former Prime Minister Tony Abbott who says about your new book, uh, here is nearly all you need to know about the centrality of Christianity in our culture, why and how it's in eclipse, and what should be done to make a bad situation better. I wonder if we might focus on some of the broad things that you like to talk about that have shaped our culture in a Christian way. And I know that there'll be listeners who'll hang on every word as we talk about how Christianity has shaped Australia. I wonder if we might start with some of those things like our, our legal systems and the arts, and I know you love uh, literature and music and architecture. What are your thoughts about the foundations that we have of our Christianity for our nation of Australia? I mentioned uh, T.S. Eliot before in uh, one of his essays, Notes Toward a Definition of Culture, he makes the point that Western civilization, Western cultures, and we are a Western liberal democracy, Australia. English is our language. We inherited so much from, from the United Kingdom in terms of our political, our legal system, but also our literature. T.S. Eliot makes the point that you cannot understand that culture if you ignore Christianity. It goes back, obviously, uh, in many ways to the New Testament, if you're looking at our legal and our political system, Larry Siebentop wrote a book uh, some years ago, The Origins of Liber uh, Liberalism, where he talks about what the New Testament meant in terms of a very, at the time, revolutionary uh, call to respect the inherent dignity of the person. We're all made in God's image, that we all deserve freedom and equality and that uh, at the time, that was obviously very revolutionary given what was happening in Rome in particular, the way people were often enslaved or the way women were treated unfairly. It was a very patriarchal society. So whether it's our legal and our political system, and we see that in really very important documents like the Magna Carta, which some people would argue is the beginning of our Westminster form of government, that was really infused, underpinned 
by Christianity and by religious beliefs about the inherent quality uh, of equality of each person, the inherent dignity. And even our preamble to the Australian Constitution talks about humbly relying on God. And as we know, the American Declaration of Independence makes the same point, that the inalienable right to life, liberty and happiness are God-given. So certainly with our political legal system, you can't really understand it without understanding the impact of Christianity. And we can talk about literature as well, which is my favourite area because I taught it for so many years. Kevin, opponents are arguing that Christianity be banished from our public square or ignored in the education curriculum, almost a revolutionary way that they're moving forward with the idea that all of the sorts of things that you talk about with the legal system and all the literature and all of the things that have shaped our nation, somehow or other they're all old hat and don't matter anymore. How do you convince people that all of those fabulous foundations really matter today? One of the things I do in the uh, book uh, is to trace it. I mean, as a conservative, I would argue you can only understand the present by looking at the past. And if you look at what is currently happening, uh, whether you call it uh, the cultural left or cancel culture or political correctness, Archbishop Fisher in Sydney calls it absolutist secularism. All of these movements are anti-Christian, anti-Christ. And if you look at the origins of this, it goes back to a neo-Marxist view of society and of people. And one of the most famous uh, Marxists is Antonio Di Gramsci, uh, who lived in Italy during the Second World War. He's actually publicly argued that uh, Marxism or communism should be the new religion which banishes Christianity. So it is a battle here. and I was fortunate enough to meet B.A. Santa Maria, God bless him, before he died a number of times. And uh, Bob Santa Maria made the point to me that there is a battle there, an ex- a very important battle, existential, between socialism or communism and Christianity. And we're still seeing that played out today. Is this what we'd call the culture wars, this battle between uh, the socialism on one side and Christianity on the other? It is. And, uh, you know, we see that in in, uh, many, many ways. Uh, Your listeners would know about the very uh, radical safe schools program, which was about gender, a radical view of gender, where even in primary school, Young boys were told they could be girls. Girls were told they could be boys. Schools and parents were told that if a boy uh, wants to be a girl, if he transitions, he should use the girl's toilet. Now, that radical gender theory started with uh, an academic at La Trobe University, Ros Ward. She admitted publicly at a conference in Sydney some years ago that it was nothing to do with anti-bullying. It was about imposing a radical Marxist view of gender. So that's one example, safe schools. Other programs uh, 
in schools, even the national curriculum, airbrushes Christianity from Australia's history, and there are literally hundreds of references to Aboriginal spirituality, culture, history, but minimal, if any, references to what Australia owes to Christianity. And that's another area where this battle of ideas is being fought out. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about a new book. It's called Christianity is Good for Us, Why Faith Matters. The author is Dr. Kevin Donnelly and 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Kevin, you have had such a long uh, association now with uh, the education curriculum. You've been the greatest critic along the way when things don't look right. You were involved in a review of the education curriculum that was commissioned by former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. And uh, there was not much change came when your recommendations were put forward. Now, education ministers are preparing to meet and discuss what to do with the education curriculum, and it doesn't look very Christian at all. What are your thoughts for what's developing so far as our education curriculum in Australia? It's uh, very disappointing, Neil, that whether it's Liberal or Labor governments, uh, federal or state or territory, the curriculum has only got worse in the sense that it's very cultural left, very politically correct. And especially in subjects like civics or history, there's an attempt to airbrush Christianity from the curriculum. And when we reviewed or I co-chaired the review in 2014, we argued very strongly that while it's okay to include Indigenous culture and history, equally, it's even more uh, important to give young people, young students, a good sense for all its faults of Western culture and Judeo-Christianity because you can't really understand the society in which we're living unless you understand what underpins it and why we are how we are today. So you need to have a good understanding of the past. The other point here is that with civics, it's uh, obvious that Christian and other religious groups are very important when it comes to health, to social welfare, to education. I mean, whether it's uh, Catholic, Anglican, uh, Jewish schools, whether it's uh, hospitals like St Vincent's, whether it's charitable groups like the Salvation Army, Christianity underpins, again, our welfare and our social system, our education system. But in the civics curriculum, there's no mention of that. It's completely excluded. And again, it just goes to show how much control what I call the cultural left has in terms of what uh, some call the long march through the institutions that they've been able to uh, take over, dominate things like education, uh, our universities and our schools, and to enforce their views about society and ignoring the fact that there are so many people 
so many people in Australia who are Christian and their story, their narrative, it's wrong to ignore it. So when we hear those criticisms of those who want to revise history, we'll talk about a revisionism of history, it's not just happening because people are writing books. It's happening right there on the coalface. It's happening in the education curriculum, what every child in Australia will learn. And if you're erasing Christianity from our past, what risk does that have for our future? Any thoughts? It's... uh it's correct. Uh, I'm a conservative. I mentioned that, and Roger Scruton, the great English uh, intellectual, he talks about the fact, as does T.S. Eliot, Edmund Burke, he talks about the fact that when you try and understand what we need to do currently, when you try and understand the uh, present, you really do need to understand the past. If you're going to deal with future challenges, future problems, really you need a strong foundation there. And I'm always happy with admitting we need change. So T.S. Eliot talks about continuity and change. Change is inevitable. But what we have to be careful about is revolutionary change, which has no foundation, no basis. I mean, we only need need to look at the French Revolution that began with uh, the great uh, call for liberty, equality, fraternity. We only need to look at the way uh, dictators, they became dictators. Uh, if you look at Stalin or Lenin or Mao or Ho Chi Minh, a lot of these leaders argue that we will, if you follow us, lead to the promised land, the utopia on this earth. But again, if you look at history, we know that has never worked. The French Revolution ended in the reign of terror and Madame Guillotine. Uh, Stalin, Lenin ended in the gulags. Mao ended in the Cultural Revolution, uh, famine. When you look at what those ideologies have achieved, it's not uh, anything but pain and suffering and we need to remember and uh, celebrate the fact that it was Christ's words in the New Testament that gave Western culture that deep and and, uh, loving commitment to equality, to love thy neighbour as thyself, to turn the other cheek and to be a peacemaker. So if we don't understand that past, we have no hope really of understanding the present and uh, making a better future. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from David's in Logan in Queensland. Hello, David. Welcome along. Hello, now. What are your thoughts, David? I think that people need to understand that for every 99 people that don't need God or religion, there's one one that does. Uh, you're saying for every 99 that think they don't need religion, there's one that does. Kevin, do you have a thought for David? Well, I hope the numbers aren't as bad as that. (laughs) I mean, uh, if you look at, I think, a recent uh, national census, uh, over 50, I know it's fallen, 
at Federation, it was about, uh, well, it was over 90% Australian recognised or identified as, as Christian. More recently, it's only about 52%, but it's still a majority. And uh, the recent census, hopefully, I believe, will show that growing because there are many migrants in particular who are coming from uh, Asia and Africa who have, have a very strong sense of religious faith. Now, whether it's about, about numbers doesn't really change the fact that our institutions, our way of life, are underpinned by Christianity. And that's the point I make and others make in, in the current debate. Thank you, David, for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Kelly is in Jimboomba in Queensland. Hi, Kelly. Welcome. Hi, Neil. How are you? Very well, Kelly. What are your thoughts? Uh, so I'm getting a real sense in um, the conversation that you're having that there's this overwhelming idea that um, the education of our children is predominantly relying upon the school system and universities and and those who are in control of those systems. But, I mean, I see it from the point of view of, you know, parents and grandparents and wider community has a large role to play um, in the education of children. And so I don't quite see it as such a um, bleak situation as we have when the national curriculum sort of airbrushes out the Christianity in our um, education for the students at school because we've got more than just school going on in the education of our children. Kelly, a big dimension you're talking about. Uh, quick response, Kevin. I mean, that, that is very true. I've always argued parents in particular are their children's first teachers, their primary teachers. And uh, if you look at homeschooling, for example, that is growing. Uh, parents are sometimes looking at what's happening in the school curriculum, taking their children out of school, teaching them at home. Now, I would hope grandparents, parents, communities will have a positive effect. And there are many, uh, especially in Queensland, I've spoken at a number of uh, non-denominational schools, religious schools, that are very popular. So uh, and they often have uh, very long waiting lists but that doesn't alter the fact that if you're looking at the government school system, which is the majority of schools, if you're looking at teachers coming out of university, if you're looking at graduates in areas like uh, English or literature or history or so sociology, they're getting a very one-sided cultural left view on these matters. And they're often the people who go into classrooms or who work for the ABC, or go into the media, or who... Uh... Kevin, let's take some calls before we take our conversation further. Wendy is in Casino in New South Wales. Hello, Wendy. Welcome along. Hello there. Wendy, what are your thoughts? Well, I've just written my book, um, my memoirs, uh, it's called A Tale of Ten Towns, how when I was brought up as a young person in a, a denominational church, christened, confirmed, and was a Sunday school teacher, but I got to university and was radicalised within three weeks and became an atheist. Now, it's not, you know, for a long time I thought it was my fault. And, you know, there, there is a part for me to play, but a lot of it was 
you know, I had no idea about how to defend my faith. I'd not been brought up, even though I was a Sunday school teacher, I'd never read the Bible. I was never encouraged to read the Bible. Oh, you know, confirmation was about it. Wow, Wendy, three weeks it took for you to be radicalised as an atheist. And uh, Kevin Donnelly, what are your thoughts for Wendy? Well, uh, normally normally I'd suggest it would take a bit longer. I mean, I was at university during the late, uh, uh, the late 60s, early 70s, and it was quite a radical time. Uh, some people talk about the Cultural Revolution, it was a time of uh, moratoriums, anti-Vietnam demonstrations, uh, Jermaine Greer, the female eunuch, the pill. It was quite a heady time to be at university. So I could understand why people became radicalised. Many did. And many of those people went on to become uh, teachers, academics, politicians, uh, journalists. So that is one reason why I'd argue society is becoming so, in many ways, God godless. But uh, I'm glad the uh, lady who called in has rediscovered uh, religion and Christ because I'd argue you can turn your back against religion, but eventually it dawns on you that there is a light there that we can't ignore. Wendy, you mentioned your book, A Tale of Ten Towns, uh, for listeners who might want to be in touch with you. What's your surname? Uh, Wendy Boniface. Wendy Boniface, A Tale of Ten Towns. Yeah, it's being published as we speak, so it won't be long and it'll be out. But It, it, it really tells you how easy it is to be radicalized if you are not trained up in the ways of God, you know, in a really solid way and you know i was i was to become a teacher i became a teacher as a result of it it took me 10 years before i came to my senses (laughs) wendy uh, send me a copy when it's out and uh, we'll try and get a opportunity to talk to you some more about that a tale of 10 towns thanks so much wendy for your contribution today 1-800-316-316 before we move on atheism and socialism and atheism is like the socialist religion here so when people think uh, somehow or other christianity is as playing a victim here this is this is where the battle lines are aren't they kevin very much so and uh i mentioned uh, b.a santa maria but uh, also uh pope uh, benedict when he was cardinal ratzinger uh, wrote a lot about this battle between communism or socialism and Christianity and it's a battle that has been uh, ongoing in Europe since the time of the Russian Revolution. I mentioned Antonio Gramsci who argued that uh, socialism should be the new religion that would overtake and uh, banish Christianity. So this battle has been going on for many many years and we can see the outcome of that in Australia recently, but even as we speak in terms of anyone who tries to defend or argue the case from a Christian point of view is attacked. I mean, Tony Abbott, who I admire, in the day when he was Minister for Health, people attacked him as a mad monk because he had a very strong view uh, about uh, late-term abortion and about euthanasia. Kevin Andrews 
if you're talking about euthanasia, was instrumental in the federal government returning the euthanasia law in the Northern Territory. But again, he was attacked for his religious beliefs as a God-botherer. And the argument was, even during the debate about same-sex marriage, that anybody who argued from a Bible Bible's point of view should not be heard, should not be listened to. So it's an ongoing battle uh, of ideas, and that's why I argue, and I take the point from the last uh, person who phoned in, we need to be critically informed. I mean, I uh, went to church, to Mass, St Dominic's in Broadmeadows in Melbourne. I had uh, communion and confirmation. Uh, I attended church uh, as a young boy and learned a lot about the parables and about uh, the Bible. And I still remember those parables, whether it's a good Samaritan or the admonition to love thy neighbour as thyself. Uh, there is so much that we need to cherish and hold on to, but also revisit, because uh, if we're going to be armed, we need to have the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to fight that battle. And while we're talking denominations here, the some people will want to say, oh, isn't there a difference between Catholics and Protestants? But we all read the same Bible and uh, the ethics that come from the biblical foundation are shared across different uh, sides of Christianity. For some people who might be uh, thinking that there are some differences between the Catholic and Protestant side, there's a certain sense in which uh, everyone's fighting on the same page here. The same religious freedoms are all at risk, whether you are Catholic or Protestant. Any thoughts uh, for people who think that there are some sort of differences that we need to be getting on to finer points here at all, Kevin? I'd really uh, not want to focus on trying to uh, divide. I mean, one of the things the cultural left are very good at is dividing people. So if they're wanting to take control, if they want to enforce their particular groupthink, they often will undermine and attack uh, the opponent by uh, looking at their weaknesses and trying to draw out how they might be fighting against one another. I mean, whether you're Methodist or Presbyterian or Anglican or Catholic, uh, we all read the same Bible. I mean, there are differences in theology, in interpretation, but the essential message of God's love and the essential message about redemption, forgiveness, atonement about the life to come they're the same for all of us as christians we should embrace what we hold in common rather than what might uh, divide us in terms of those beliefs uh, that as i say don't alter the fundamental fact that we do believe in the word of christ we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's see if we can get through as many calls as we can here. Shelby is in Brisbane. Hi, Shelby. How are you going, Neil? Um, I didn't get your, the name of your friend that you're talking with. Kevin. Kevin. Oh, good, Kevin. How are you? Um, mate, um, yeah, look, um, my mum sent me off to Sunday school when I was six, seven, eight, nine, and the foundation of that in my Christian life was just humongous. And, you know, as we all know, the Christian life um, and the following of Jesus and how he 
cared and how he was uh, an absolute servant, servant to everybody. Um, he didn't look after himself. He just worried about everybody else. And that's, to me, the best foundation in life when we have that Christian outlook on life and care and love for one another and, and um, you know, being helpful to one another. Shelby, good thought. Uh, when you're age seven, eight or nine and you capture some of those foundations for your life, it makes a huge difference. Kevin, your thoughts quickly for Shelby and we'll take some more calls. Uh, there's a big uh, debate in Victoria at the moment about a politician, liberal politician, who uh, was caught drink driving, and they're arguing he should uh, be made to leave Parliament. I've written an article today in our local paper, The Herald Sun, where I say uh, we should remember what the Bible said, there but for the grace of God go I, and uh, let he without sin cast a first stone. I mean, one of the most uh, critical things about, important things about Christianity is that sense of forgiveness, of embracing one another and not being so harsh and cruel as to banish people. We should embrace people who are prepared to acknowledge the sins and uh, give them the uh, uh, respect their ability uh, and give them atonement. Wonderful stuff. Thank you so much to Shelby for your call. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Union Jack in Sunbury, Victoria. Hello, Union Jack. How do you do? <laughs> How do I do? I'm, I'm doing well. Okay. Need to be quick, Jack. What are your thoughts? I will be quick. Uh, my thing is, Jesus plus anything equals nothing, and Jesus plus nothing equals Everything, okay, because you don't need anything. You don't need, like Paul said to Peter in Second Galatians, who has bewitched you, who has added you needed stuff, you needed to circumcision. So Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And if you add bits on the Jesus, you have to do this to get to Jesus. That equals nothing. Good thoughts there. Uh, a response from you, Kevin? One of the most... Uh destructive things about uh, socialism or communism, cancel culture more recently, it's very negative and it denies the essential spiritual nature, the importance of transcendence and spirituality. I mean, you cannot, I would argue, exist and survive and prosper in this world unless you have a sense of the spiritual, God's grace, God's love, because it's by embracing that, as Julian of Norwich talks about, that we can cope with the uh, challenges, the pain, the suffering, the loss that we'll all encounter. I mean, to be human is to be on this journey where it's difficult, it's often onerous, it's often uh, very depressing. But with God's grace, God's love, we have that positive influence. Thanks so much, Union Jack. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's hear from Graham in Burnie, Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Good morning, gentlemen. Look, this world today is drifting away from God under the influence of Satan. And it says in uh, Revelation 13, verse 7 and verse 8, the power, you know, who makes war with the saints and overcomes them and deceives the whole world. And we're in that process now. We're drifting off to that right now. And we need to be alert to that. 
And really, we need to pray to God for our own salvation. Yes, pray for other people. But we need to really know that things are closing on us. Uh, Graham, good thoughts, especially around deception and uh, aligning those with biblical understanding of last things. Uh, Kevin, any thoughts here for Graham? When I was a young boy uh, growing up in Broadmeadows, I I came across C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters, and he makes the point uh, that uh, the devil, evil, has always been there. and so it's something that we might try and ignore or we might think we've progressed, that we're now civilised. But really, the devil is always there. And so we have to be aware of Christians. We have to be very uh, careful that uh, we don't look at the world in which we live. And we do live in a world that is very fortunate. Uh, I mean, things have been difficult with the COVID virus. But historically, we are living in a time of great prosperity, of great material uh, success. But at the same time, we have to understand that the devil is still there. And that's why I argue in the book, we need to be very uh, strong in our faith. And we need to be careful that we don't simply uh, believe that these matters aren't important. Because if we vacate the field... We've already lost the battle. Graham in Burnie, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to participate in our conversation today, a question, a comment or even a critique. You mentioned COVID. Uh, Kevin, there's globally a mental health crisis that accompanies COVID and there is a certain sense in which our Christianity gives us a foundation in our life that gives us some levels of courage and resilience. Any thoughts here about what's lost if we don't uh, keep our Christianity front and centre for the vulnerabilities in a culture whenever there a crisis comes along? It's uh, very important. Uh, I know there's that expression from, the I think, the First World War about in the trenches, even an atheist, Uh, calls on God to keep him safe. Uh, The reality is, uh, if you can get through life untouched, you've won the lottery. We lost our son, James, God bless him, 20 years ago in a hit-and-run accident. But it was our religious faith and our belief that he was in a better world and that with God's grace and God's love and support, we could overcome that loss and sense of despair So I would argue it's a very bleak and depressing world without acknowledging that there is something greater, something more spiritual, something more transcendent, something more all-powerful that you can give yourself up to. And Julian of Norwich, and I'll paraphrase her, she makes the point that uh, notwithstanding the grief and the loss and the suffering, God never changes. So that love is always there and that salvation is always there. Well, in your new book, Kevin, you cover a lot of ground and a very, very good way of discussing the completeness of the way that Christianity undergirds a society like Australia. You've got some, you've got, you're addressing issues like faith, still a key to a complete life. 
Uh, You talk about faith as a key for the COVID blues, as we just mentioned. But you say to be a Christian today and to be public in that, uh, be afraid, very afraid, if you dare to believe. I wonder if you've got a, a few thoughts as we begin to close now about the courage required in moving forward as a Christian and uh, pointing to these things that are necessary to talk about. It does uh, require courage. Uh, we live in, as I mentioned, Archbishop Fisher from Sydney, talked about radical secularism. It is very pervasive. And even now, uh, amongst friends and neighbours or in your workplace, often if you admit to being a Christian, if you admit to argue or you argue the case against same-sex marriage or euthanasia or abortion, you're often uh, vilified and attacked. But I believe, and I always have, in the... Uh, conviction, if you have the conviction of your beliefs, if you have a willingness to acknowledge God's uh, love and God's grace, that will give you the strength and the conviction to argue the case, always in a respectful way. Uh, And not everyone will agree with you. But we are in a Western liberal democracy. It might be changing. You know, people often now are more intolerant, more willing to attack and uh, to vilify the opponent. But I think Christians have a role to play here in uh, really continuing that sense of respectful dialogue, discussion. And I think history will prove us correct. I mean, as I said, communism, socialism has never worked, whether it was uh, China or Cuba or Russia. uh, It's never worked. And history often proves, even in those dark days when Christianity is under attack, often there is uh, a light on the hill, if I can use that metaphor. And if we keep that light in front of us and walk towards it, then I think uh, society will be a a much better place. I think we can hear your heart. We don't want to learn the hard lesson of letting Christianity be dislodged from its foundation that gives us the freedoms and all of the uh, characteristics of what we have as a nation like Australia. Uh, Dr. Kevin Donnelly has just released his new book. It's called Christianity is Good for Us, Why Faith Matters. Now, there is a website I can point you to to get a hold of that book today. KevinDonnelly.com.au. That's Kevin Donnelly, D O N E L Y.com.au. And no doubt you'll have access to a number of other books there too that Kevin has written. And ones we've spoken about in the past, one of those called Cancel Culture and the Left's Long March. There's some other books that he's written, Australia's Education Revolution, How Kevin Rudd Won and Lost the Education Wars, Why Our Schools Are Failing dumbing down and how political correctness is destroying education. There are a lot of books you'll be able to access, kevindonnelly.com.au. But his new book is called Christianity is Good for Us, Why Faith Matters. Uh, Kevin Donnelly, always appreciate your insights. I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share them with our listeners today on 2020. Thank you very much, uh, Neil, and God bless. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.